Welcome to Talk Purpose and Truth, shifting you into higher consciousness, a show that elevates, uplifts, and encourages listeners to grow, heal, awaken, and evolve. Eden and Kim include bold topics, interviews with inspiring guests, experts, and celebrities, intuitive readings, channeled messages, mental health awareness, and hot topics to expand your awareness. Tune in for unprecedented truth, authenticity, on-purpose discussions, and magical moments. Hey, welcome everybody back to Talk Purpose and Truth podcast. It's Kim and Eden. Hi, Eden. Hello there. How's it going? Good. How (laughs) is everyone out there? We want to hear from you. I hope everyone's staying positive and peace-filled and good during these times. And we're going to have a very deep, unique, knowledgeable, wise conversation with two awesome guys today. We have Scott Goyette and Christopher Rausch here, and they have the Unfiltered Experience podcast. It's a a show and a podcast, and so I'm sure they'll give you how to watch that in a little bit. But I was on their show a little while back. And just absolutely loved our conversation. And I was like, Eden, we have to have them on. We're going to have one of the best conversations we've ever had on the show. So tune in. You might even want to take notes. (laughs) Um, Scott is the founder of Go Love Now, teaching the importance of self-love, compassion, and kindness with a focus on youth and teenagers and kids. He's also a life coach and a longtime speaker, keynote speaker. And Christopher is a no excuses life and business coach and speaker, and they both have the podcast together, I'm sure among many other things. So I've known Christopher for a while through mutual friends, and um, we both come from HB, you know, growing up in Huntington Beach somewhat. And so we're just excited to start this conversation on a male perspective of guys in their true self versus ego, basically. So we're we'll get right into that. Yeah. So, and first I just want to shout out because I think we have a lot of more, maybe more women that listen who listen than men. Um, and we want to invite all the men to listen now, especially to this one. Um, but this can also apply to women, whatever it is that we're going to be talking about, either it's about, you know, something you relate to or something that, you know, someone who might be going through the same thing, but it's for everyone, but we do, we do want to focus on the male perspective today. Um, so first question I want to start off with is, um, just really, what is the difference, uh, of someone heavily into ego and, and just being an awakened person? What are the traits of the ego? What are the traits of someone who's more awakened? Ooh, Scott, that's all you awakened. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I would, uh, align autopilot to ego. Um, you know, we do our best here as human beings. We get plugged into this planet. And there's a roadmap that's given to us of how to succeed. And, you know, Chris and I talk about this all the time. Our identity um, tied into our ego is built, you know, whether it's age one to five, or we can say one to 50 or one till death. But as we're building that, what happens is we go to first grade, we go to second grade, we go to third grade, you know, even before that, it's eat this, eat this, don't do this, don't do that. And so we start becoming our surroundings. And so then when somebody says a trigger word, you know, like, you're not enough or you're not smart or whatever. We get so caught up in here and we get sucked into this space that we have to defend. And so we see it right now. The world collectively is defending itself, especially men. And I'm not saying, you know, we all are, 
but we see a lot of men who are coming to the table with a fight and we've got to fight for everything. And the easiest thing that I can say is do two things. I'm just going to give two things before I pass this to Chris. Start your day with gratitude and start being more grateful. And that might not have a, a definitive alignment in your mind of, you know, ego, but gratitude is going to start to create the next thing that's super important. And that's presence and awareness. And once you become aware, you can start making the changes that I'm sure Chris and I are going to talk about throughout the show with you guys. Um, but bottom line, get present, be grateful and start to become aware. And then you can step away from that old identity that's been spoon fed and really start to live in this moment and start to realize that, hey, I've been on somebody else's watch and not on my own and living my own life. So that would be the start. We could do this all day long, but that's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Okay. What's your take on that, Chris? Like, I know that, um, I know you help a lot of men, you know, kind of get out of that ego place. So what would be your perspective? Oh, that's such a great question. I love what Scott said. As a matter of fact, right now, truth be told, I have a men's group on Clubhouse that we've been doing for a year today. We did it June 1st last year. It was pretty crazy because people would come to us on Clubhouse and go, wow, you guys are such dudes. You're like, you're real dudes, but you're also very vulnerable. You're very compassionate. You're very transparent in all the different things and your fears and your vulnerability and the, the failures you've made in your life. And so we decided to do this room because to this point in this conversation, the stereotypes, when you think about like what Scott was talking about and the fact that the conditioning process that we go through between the ages of zero and five. That really, that really makes us who we are in our, in our unique personalities. Because you think about the things that we're told, like Scott says, especially for guys, the stereotypes that were growing up, be a man's man, don't cry, be tough. You have to be in control. You know, all the different things we saw it with Will Smith and with the slap, you know, that was a machoistic thing that was like based on some conditioning process that he felt like he had to be a man, like this, the stand-up kind of guy. And so like Scott was saying, when we think about peeling back the onion on who we truly are, our identity, and being able to say, okay, am I, am I, is my identity comprised of all the approvals and the validations and, and all the all the inclusiveness that I have with these people, or is my identity based on who I am as a person, as a soul here having this human existence? And I think for me, when I think about it, one of the things that we can do is just take a look at the people we're around, right? And think about: Do these people lift the world up? Do they make the world a better place, or are they sitting there bitching, pissing, and moaning, and trying to trying to bring everybody down? Are they trying to show how divided we are? Fact, you know, especially in the male population, we got to break down the stereotypes and get real and raw with people and talk about these things and not just sit there and go, yeah, we should go do that. And yeah, we got, and then sticking with that. It's like, no, be vulnerable and actually talk about why it is that you're so angry because it's not about what's going on out there. It's about what's happening within, within us. And I think that's a great yeah. basis of the conversation tonight is how can we better serve ourselves, better love ourselves, better take care of ourselves so that we're not so angry and frustrated with everything that's going outside in the world and trying to justify or change it based on our ego, egoic needs, right? Mm-hmm. So but how yeah, Chris. That, I love that. And how do you do that? The, I think so many of those people out there right now that are angry, it, it, some of it's valid. Of course, we're like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. What's going on, you know, or terrible or whatever. But a lot of it I think is an excuse to not work on themselves because then they can put all of their emotions and energy on the outer of what's going on and blame and, you know, get it all out. And, and, but they're not solving anything. So how do we begin to make them realize that? How do we begin to make them realize that? I mean, I think it's got to be a conscious awareness that people that who are our friends, the people that we keep by us the most should have the balls to tell us the truth and be able to say, hey, listen, Scott, I see you acting this way, but you're not doing anything to solve it. What about changing the game plan? What about what is it within yourself that you don't like in somebody else? 
You know, we often know that we don't like in others what we don't like in ourselves. And yeah, to your point, Cam, actually, you know, we definitely got to be angry, but we got to be angry with a purpose and an intention to go out there and solve something. So many people are sitting around bitching, pissing, and moaning, like, well, the government should do this and these people should do this. And mm, mm, mm. But I ask people, what have you done? Have you written your congressman? Have you gone out and really held your politicians accountable? What is it that you're so angry about that you're not solving? Because you're to your point, Kim, as long as I'm out trying to save the world, then I don't have to look within. As long as I'm mad at the world, I don't have time to look within. But each yeah. one of us has a responsibility to our friends and our family to be able to sit there and say, hey, I see you're upset about it, but you're not doing anything differently. What can you perhaps look inward with and be able to change in that respect? Well, some people are hearing that from the people around them, but they're still not listening. <laughs> <laughs> So you have an answer for that. <laughs> sure. Rock meets bottom. Rock meets bottom, baby. Somehow, somehow that person is going to have a lesson that's going to be taught to them that that's going to be something that they're going to turn back and regret and think about that they should have actually handled that before. But I mean, I think it's just really about for me is becoming aware of what our legacy is. What's the end game? What do I want to be remembered for? Am I want to be remembered for being so pissy and moany about everything that's going on? Or do I want to be remembered for like living and trusting and and, and, and exhilarating life, right? You know, an unstoppable life, flying our freak flag, being who we need to be, but yet being a part of the solution and not sitting there commiserating with other people just because misery loves company. I don't know. What do you think, Scott? I know you got words. I think um, there's two things that, you know, we could ask. I was just talking to a, a former student who just finished up and he's probably going to do some coaching with me. And we talked about two things. We talked about what does it look like to find peace in all that you do? And what does it look like to realize the time is always now? And so what I would tell any guy is first and foremost, what would your life look like if you could live in true peace? And then, you know, if the person's going to jump right into, oh, that's not the real world, there's always this going on, then they're not ready. They're, they're not even listening. But if yeah. the person's willing to say, is peace possible? Then I would say this, do you think your anger is really anger? Because the emotional go-to for many men in society right now is anger. But we're yeah. really just living, we're eating an emotional Sunday. And I'm just going to give you the visual of that. You know, you throw in the scoops of ice cream, that would be fear. And then you're going to put on a little fudge and hot fudge or whatever else. And that would probably be like shame or maybe guilt. And then next, we're going to have a massive portion of whipped cream, which we're going to call sadness. And then the nuts and the cherry, that's anger. So we think we're angry, but it's really just a whole Sunday underneath. There's this pressure, there's more underneath it. And so what I notice is as I did a lot of my work, when I get through the anger, I could literally feel like a gross feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I literally thought I was just going to start bawling my eyes out and crying. And I realized I'm angry to hide what was told that there was weakness to me. Don't cry. Don't do this. All little boys are not supposed to be, you know, maybe there's something you're ashamed of that you did a long time ago, or you feel guilty of something or whatever. Those things sit there and they hide and they build up and they cause disease. And so they're going to give you things potentially like cancer. They're going to create prolonged illness and things that we're creating. So here's what I would say. If you really see peace as possible and you want that and know that you can have it, start eating through that emotional Sunday. How do you do that? You do the work. You go to men's retreats. You go to these men's groups. You meditate. You talk to people. You get a therapist. I mean, we can go on and on on the tools. Yeah. But the biggest thing is this. I would bet my life on 90% of the men who are listening to this or the woman who know a man and you say they're always angry. Trust me on this one. If it was an iceberg, you got this much anger and you got this stuff you can't see under the water and you can't see my hands, this big amount. And that's going to be some sadness, some shame and some fear of saying, what the hell am I doing on this planet? So the minute we become authentic and transparent and say, 
hey, you know what? Strength is what's the perceived weakness. Strength is showing the other side of that iceberg. That's when we're going to really start making headway collectively. And we need leaders like Chris, myself, whoever to lead the way. And we're doing that and more and more are doing it. But I'd like to see more and more and more and more doing it. Yeah. The collective, we need it. Absolutely. Yeah. What causes, uh, what do you think causes a man to stay in their ego? You kind of talked about that, maybe shame um, could be fear, but what do you, what do you think keeps someone from doing the work? I'll go quick because I want to pass this on to Chris because he's got some good stuff on this too. Um, the biggest thing that's holding in us in our ego is I literally think the foundation is fear. So imagine if we've got love over fear. If love is the flip side of fear, imagine this. If I love myself a lot, not fictitious love going, look at me, I'm cool, but saying sure. I'm worthy, I'm enough. If I'm saying those things, then I'm not allowing space for fear. I'm literally breaking down you know, parts of that Sunday or cracking down what's in that iceberg. So what's holding me there is a very solid foundation of fear. So that sadness sitting on that, I feel that deep in my heart and my gut. And when somebody comes up to me and says like, bro, you got a problem? And I'm like, what's that? And you want to come to this guy thing instead of saying, no, actually, I don't. You know, there's no reason to sit here and argue. That feels so weak. And we're scared. We're literally scared to maybe talk through something because that's foreign to us. Uh And, and, And I've walked through that process myself. You know, I grew up in Boston. Your everything was sarcasm. You had the humor mask. You wanted to fight people for every other thing. Everything's swearing at people. And then one day I'm, you know, Chris meets me. He's like, who is this weirdo shaman guy? You know, but he knows there's a flip side to it too, because I'm chipping away at that iceberg. So again, the thing that's holding you there, in my opinion, is deep rooted fear. That's being the foundation for sadness, shame, and making it very scary to go into that. Because once you go in, it's, it's work. And, mm-hmm. and the truth is, I don't have time for that. I'm, I'm, I'm physically working at my job. I'm dealing with my wife. I'm dealing with my kid. I'm, I'm, I, I can't. I don't have a free man. I can't. And when you say I can't, then you're right. And if you say I can, you're also right. So what I would say is it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be super simple. But I promise every man who's listening, it's going to be worth it. And to a woman who's sharing this with her man or with a friend or somebody who is a male, it's always worth it. And I can at any point, and Chris could do the same, walk you through our story, bring you into a group and tell you where, you know, we fell down on our faces. We said, I can't do this anymore. That I, what, what did I get myself into? Oh my God, I'm not worthy. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then one day you wake up and you're like, I'm doing this. And not only are you doing it, but you really see the light at the end of the tunnel and you really say, why have I never done this before? So the longer you wait, the deeper that iceberg gets. Again, to what I said to the client today, do you really want inner peace? The time is now. Yeah. That's it. That's a great point, Scott. I would actually... Yeah, I would actually, I would actually add to that. I mean, I definitely think it's fear, but the thing that came up for me and thinking about this conversation is the imposter syndrome fact, you know, it's like, I'm going to be found out if I get raw, real with my guilt, and my shame, and the fact that I'm angry at these people, then it's going to be, I'm going to be appeared to be an imposter. I'm not the person that I said I was going to be, and I'm going to lose face and I'm going to lose approval and, and lose the acceptance of all the people that I think matter to me when at the end yep. of the day, what matters most is what we think of ourselves. And so I invite people to sit there and have that, that inclusive look inside their soul and say, is what I'm doing bring me joy? 
Mm. Is it bringing me joy? Is this bringing me happiness? Is this fulfilling my legacy and the things that I want to accomplish most of my life? And then starting to say, no, it doesn't. Okay. Then why am I doing it? What's the real reason? What's the, Scott and I talk all the time about the root. We can look at the symptoms all day long of stuff, but like, what's the root? Where's the root coming from? Where's the root of that anger coming from? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to have empathy for? And oftentimes it's ourselves. It's the mistakes and the things that we've done in our past that we're not proud of, that we're not even willing to say to anybody outside of ourselves. So we live with that poison inside of our soul, hoping, wishing, and praying that someday we're going to feel better. But like I said before, it's usually rock meets bottom. We know all the stories. We've all experienced it ourselves where we've actually been on a trajectory where we wanted to ignore everything that was going on until rock meets bottom. Now, what is there? There's an awareness. We have to be aware. The second thing we have to do is we have to accept. We have to accept responsibility for our role in those things. And so many people are walking around. Well, that person did this to me. And these people did this to me. And the government's doing this to me. So I have no opportunities to do anything I want to do. Mad. I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to give it to the man. Yep. What, 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 what is that? I'm going to give it to the man. Really? No, you got to turn the mirror on yourself, the accountability mirror on yourself and say, Hey, listen, what role, what responsibility do I have to take in my own healing and my own trajectory to make sure that I actually live a life that I'm happy and I'm proud of at my core versus what's on paper? Because we've all experienced those, those opportunities in our life where we've had to have retrospective thoughts and think, okay, if I died tomorrow, would the legacy that I leave behind for my kids and my family and my friends, would it really truly be what I want to be remembered for? So I did this back in 2008, I was at a funeral and I sat there and I thought, honestly, if I died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? Mm. God's honest truth, 10 or 15 people show up. They bring beer, Jack Daniels, Motley Crue, Bon Jovi records. And they would talk about all the stupid shit Chris did. And then they would say, oh yeah, by the way, he was homeless for four years. He tried to kill himself twice and he got a master's degree and he, he was successful in his life. And so I decided at that point, like, is that really what I want to be remembered for? I was popular and I was happy and my ego was filled and I was dating women. And I was doing all these things and I was successful on paper, but inside I was miserable. I was drinking myself to death, hiding the fact that I was miserable. And so what did I expect for that to change until one day somebody said, Hey, Chris, you think you drink a little bit too much? You think you might be running away from your problems? And that friend caused me to take a, a look inside of myself and say, you know what? You're right. And so I didn't have to hit rock bottom because I saw the writing on the wall. Unfortunately, somebody was nice enough to say something, but we have to look within ourselves and say, what do I need to heal and, and get to the root of the situations that are really pissing me off instead of blaming everybody else for why you don't have something. Totally. Amen. Wow. So on that note, do you guys believe that there is such a thing as a midlife crisis? Researchers show that there's like 7% of men, 45 to 55 years old, basically go through some sort of midlife crisis. And some of them go so far as to leave their family, don't talk to their kids, whatever. Um, whereas some just buy a fancy car and get a haircut, you know, whatever that might be. But is that caused by the same things that you've been talking about? And what do you do about it? Go for it, Scotty. I, I think I think so. Um, you know, Chris knows, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is being the observer of this world. And, and you know, it's the same thing that you learn as a competitive athlete is it's how do you go into that zone where you're literally outside of yourself watching yourself make the play? Well, I do that in real life because I've had that practice and I've extended that into, you know, my coaching and a practice myself. So when I see myself stepping out of bounds in enjoying this life and living, you know, I hate to use this word, this term, but living my best life, you know, in that space where you're like doing anything right. Um, or for yourself, I get very frustrated, you know, in that spot. Um, I just totally lost track where I was for a second. Where were we again? Sorry. Sorry about that. I just like, no, you know, it's, you know, it's midlife crisis. Um, yeah. No, I was going, you know what it was? I'm going to tell you, I was, so Chris and I did this the other day too. 
what I've been doing is um, I've been visualizing a lot. So I was visualizing friends who are in that space. And I know what we were talking about. And I was like, where was my point going? So I was literally looking at them, trying to identify the points to share. And then I forgot the question. I, I've been, <laughs> I know this sounds crazy, but I've been deeply visualizing so much that I got to be cautious as I do it in conversation. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Because yeah. you're in that other, that other so, realm. So the, so the question yeah. again was, we were talking about... Um, Midlife people, crisis. Yeah. So people getting into that space. So yeah, right. it's a very, it's a very real thing. And as I'm visualizing some of the people who are doing it as an observer, what I tend to notice is when I catch myself ahead before I fall into those spots, like when I get into the ego and I want, I want, I want, um, to Chris's point of, you know, he was saying hit rock bottom. I almost did the inverse to that. That's how I hit rock bottom. Everything was perfect. You know, like I had made the, you know, the money I wanted, you have the girl you want, you got the kid, you got the car, you got the house, everything's perfect. And I literally said, is this it? So my midlife crisis opportunity came with that, where do I chase something more egotistical or extrinsic or something intrinsic? And I flipped the script and I understood as observer, it's not in the outside, it's on the inside. So that's mm-hmm. when I went deep into the end of work. So I think it's a, a cross section, intersection of when you get to that point and say, is this what this is? Is this present moment everything? Is this really it? Because I don't like where I'm at. Even though I have everything people told me to have, this is a fictitious identity. So I think that people do one of two things. You either go deeper into the extrinsic car, young girls, whatever your thing is. And when I say young, I don't mean like young. I mean like, you know, you're 50, like some 25-year-old. Easy, I want to make sure Easy. clear that. <laughs> As I said it, I was like, that's not a really like weirdly creepy. Let's take that yeah. sound bite for everybody. Yeah, let's clip yeah. that one. <laughs> no, but but all jokes aside, like we've all got friends who went that route and you can already go three, two, one, predict the, the outcome. It's going to be a mess. And the people who go inside, it's also a mess for a moment. And you come on the other side and say, I'm healing for the betterment of mankind. And I'm healing what I was, you know, Chris brought it up perfectly. We're told to be these things like, I mean, I had coaches when I was a kid saying, hey, did you do blank, blank, blank with that cheerleader? Hey, what happened with like, you know, and I'm like a 15 year old boy. Oh, man. And and, and I'm not abnormal in that. Like, we've all had that. So I, I look back like my expectations, like I was set up to be like everything was a conquest, whether it's a sport or, or finding mm-hmm. partners or whatever. So to break away from that. It's 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 work. And those who are willing to do it will get there and those who aren't. So yes, midlife crisis real. I think it's the cross section of those spaces where I say, mm-hmm. this is it. And then what do I do with it? So what do you think, Chris? Is that? Yeah, start, no, I, I, I like that. I like that. I was thinking about something uh-huh. in, in terms, I'm always thinking about how we can rephrase something. And instead of a midlife cri- crisis, I call it a midlife awareness. And I think mm-hmm. there's two different distinctions. I think some people get to midlife and go, like you said, Scott, is this all there is? You know, like kind of doing that gut check and kind of like saying, okay, what's the difference between arrogance and confidence? What's the difference between, you know, really, truly living a purposeful life and living a life that I'm trying to do everything for everybody else? You know, we've all been probably guilty of being a people pleaser a time or two or three times in our life. So when I think about it, I think about it as as a midlife awareness to really do a gut check and sit there and say, like I said before, is all this egoic stuff that I'm doing, is that fulfilling me truly in my purpose and my soul contract of what it is that I'm supposed to be doing here? Like when you think, <laughs> what's my real purpose for being here? And if there is a soul contract, how can I do my best to live up to what that is supposed to be? And by making different decisions. And I recently went through it back in 2019, I'd been at corporate and Scott and I both have been successful in corporate. I was director of operations, huge. 
um, area of excellence. If you've ever read the big leap area of excellence versus the, the, the area of genius. And so I was in my zone, making great money, having all the attributes and everything, but I was what I affectionately term now. And this is what I help a lot of people with is being comfortably miserable. Uh-huh. Being comfortably yeah. miserable. You're just, you're doing all these things. You're just good. But inside, you know, you know, you're not happy. You know, you got all those things. And I tr- trust me, I've talked to millionaires and I know Scott has too. millionaires, billionaires. I've talked to famous people. I've talked to rock bands. I met Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses. I've talked to so many different people and guess what? No matter what you have, no matter how well you're known, it doesn't matter. I'm uh-huh. reading Andre Agassi's book right now. Did you know he hated tennis? Oh my God. He hated tennis. I mean, it's it's a crazy book. But again, when we stop and we ask ourselves, really, what's my intention? What's my purpose? What's the legacy I want to leave here? And then change what it is that you're doing. So for me, being corporate, I found myself, I've been a coach and a speaker for over 20 years. And I was doing it basically just to help people just have a better life. I wasn't really doing it monetarily for for quite a while. But then I ultimately was looking at like, okay, when is going to be the time where I'm going to leave that corporately miserable place and go jump off and do this 100%. And I kept asking myself the question, but man, I make so much money and man, I could be vice president. Man, I'm doing all these things and it's supporting me. And I'm I'm known, my identity was known as that person. But when I went home and I talked to my son, my five-year-old son, Jackson, And I thought if he came to me and said, dad, should I go for my dreams? Should I go become an actor? Should I become a dancer? Should I become a ballerina? Whatever is he, am I going to tell him? Yes. Go for your dreams. It doesn't matter about what anybody else thinks. So how much money you make, as long as you're fulfilled, am I going to be able to say that while I'm still comfortably miserable? And so that's congruency, ladies and gentlemen, that's congruency. And when you're congruent with your values, and most of us don't take time to write out our values. How many times have you written out your values and say, I value this. I value honesty. Or ask yourself a different question. When did it become acceptable to be mediocre? When did it become acceptable to put myself and tolerate myself just for a paycheck to make somebody else successful and rich when I'm sitting here miserable? And yeah. so we have to that gut check and we have to take responsibility and sit there and say, really, is it all about that? And trust me, it's been freaky being a, a solo entrepreneur and doing all these different things. But if my son walks in here and anything that I'm doing, he's no, he's going to know that I'm living my legacy. So for me, it was a midlife awareness. Like I'm, I'm 53 now. If I live another 20 years, do I want to spend 20 years pushing a pencil for somebody else? Or would I rather be broke and happy and fulfilling my son's purpose and my legacy here to be a great dad? That's what's the most important. It's not about what I achieve and the books I write and everything else. It's about what that guy thinks of me when I go. That's what's most important for me. So yeah, midlife crisis, midlife awareness, it depends on your perspective, but you got to have the right people in your world to be able to do that. Like Scott's helped me so much. I've helped him. You have the power of the team within your circle of friends and there isn't anything you can't accomplish because people are going to be honored mm-hmm. with you and, and for your greater good. Chris, I want to add one real quick thing to that because I know people are listening going, yeah, but I can't possibly do that because I've got to take care of my family and we have so many bills. Like, it sounds great. There's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. And they feel trapped. So here's a simple reality that I promise. And one thing you said, I'd I'd add one thing to, you know, you're saying, I don't care if I'm broke or whatever I want to, you don't have to be because once you Mm -hmm. truly dial in your brilliance was what you and I coach on. I know Kim, we all are doing the same thing. We're coaching you to help you find your brilliance, your mission, your why. And when you find that, the universe is going to deliver you the how. So mm-hmm. the quicker, the only thing you need to do fast is find your mission and your why and start living it. So mine is so simple. I empower those who are struggling or may have lost hope to find their brilliance and share it with the world. Through teaching, through podcasts, through coaching, everything I do, I'm doing that. So mm-hmm. guess what happens? The universe does to me. I might lose this opportunity. I might get this opportunity. It always puts me where I need to be and yeah. I never starve. And I can truly look in my daughter's eyes and say, go after your dreams. And she goes, 
you do too. And it's all authentic and truly congruent. So it will happen if you dial into that why. I promise, I promise, I promise. And I, we yeah. talked about the fear. It's going to happen. Just trust us on that. But no, no, trust yourself on that. Don't yes. trust me. Totally. And there's nothing wrong with getting a coach or reading, you know, personal development, spiritual development, whatever you need to do to get there, do it to get there, you know? Mm-hmm. And it reminds me what you guys just talked about reminds me of a, I read about a study recently that they found that I, I don't remember the exact percentage, but it was something like 30% of people that had PTSD, even people from war that had PTSD ended up later on after a bunch of struggles and a lot of hard work, they ended up with something that they've labeled as um, P- post-traumatic growth syndrome now. Yeah. And it that means that they're yep. actually lighter, happier and freer than they ever were before all of that happened. And so in some ways, they look at what happened, they, they don't regret it. They look at it like, okay, it was part of my journey as yeah. part of what my map of, of my path is supposed to be, you know? And so I think that's important. And, and, you know, Eden and I were listening to a lady named Barbara on the imperfectly perfect podcast. And I like how she said, life is a mountain and you walk up the mountain and there's stepping stones and those are opportunities, people, challenges, whatever it may be. And no matter how hard it gets, you do get up the mountain and you want to take those things as part of your wisdom, part of your path, not hold on to them as, okay, now forever I'm stuck forever. I'm going to be labeled as this failure or whatever it may be. And so I think that a lot of it really is our own will to have a happy life. That's really what it boils down to. Amen. Yeah. Love that. Okay. And then there's also the pressures that go on for to be to be the man Uh, and yeah you guys are nodding your heads (laughs) yeah like you can relate already like yeah comment on that tell us how to handle that like societies pressures like yeah cultural pressures all kinds um i'll take that one for a second um you you just you just turn on your epi sprinkler. No, I mean, seriously, you just got to, you got to sit there and decide, you know, what is it that you want to be known for? You know, the pressures of society, if there's a, if there's a stigma or something like that, I'm a rough, tough and looking dude, but I love you. I'll walk up and give you hugs and stuff like that. It's really about, you know, for me, I call it flying my freak flag. And that, since Scott shared his, his tagline, I'll share mine with you. I help people overcome their self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. So, that's, so, so you got to just got to pull your head out of your ass and like have a different perspective, but it's really about the ability to have that true inner self-confidence that you, it doesn't matter what other people think of you. People mm-hmm. can say whatever they want. They can say, Oh, why does he wear a bandana? Why does he swear? Why does he have the guitars in the back? Why does he, whatever? No big deal. It's, it's like, I've gotten to that point now because I've done so much inner child work and so much inner work. And I surround myself with so many brilliant people who say, Chris, you're awesome. You fly your freak flag, man, go out there and do that. So if there's external pressures, that's something within ourselves that we have to go examine and say, why, why is it so important that I, that I, I, that I matter to this person that doesn't even know me. Right. And being able to sit there and think, okay, what can I do to break down the stereotypes of what's going on today? And that's what I do. That's why I do the men's club room um, every single week. Been doing it for a year is to break down those stereotypes and get people to sit there and shift their perspective. We're not asking people to for massive shifts, just like sit there and, okay, it starts with me. Okay. Love over fear. Um, be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. Surround yourself with the right people. Take care of yourself. I mean, one of the things that I talk about with people 
and it sounds crazy, but this is so true. I've, I've done over a hundred complimentary groups group or a hundred complimentary coaching sessions over COVID just my way of giving back. And I started seeing a pattern. And so I started asking people, do you love yourself? Yes or no. And it was on zoom. And I was shocked as hell when people were like, well, yeah, I think I do. Or for the most part, and I was like, ooh, 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 cause I'm always looking for that route. And I'm like, and I thought it was stupid for me to ask this question. I seriously did. I was like, my inner whisper was saying, ask this, ask this. So I started asking it. And I found about 70% of the people that I talked to struggle with that. Mm. So if you struggle with loving yourself, where is it you could start on loving yourself? Where can you have right. that acceptance and that forgiveness? And who can you reach out to for that support? It's not being weak. It's not being weak saying, hey, listen, I'm scared of this. It's, that's the power of a strength. So that's what right. I do. That's what I said about every single day is like, I can be macho. I can wear pink. And I can still throw punch you. Which, by yeah. the way, don't say on Facebook because then you will wind up in Facebook jail. <laughs> what do you think, Scott? I, I agree, and I'm gonna I'm gonna run off two of the words that you had mentioned, or at least you you described them as authenticity and vulnerability. So, yeah. two of the biggest strengths of being a man or expressing your your inner masculine is vulnerability and authenticity. And so, you brought up a point. Let's say, for example, people show up and say, "Oh, you're weird because you wear the go- your goatee. You're weird because you're a bandana. Why do you do this?" Do you really know why those people show up? And I want everybody to listen and think about this question for a second. Great point. Why do the people show up who are questioning you? And I'm going to give you the answer. The universe is simply designed to do what? To help you grow. So if you don't come equipped with self-confidence, self-love, and all the things that are going to make you successful, the belief in oneself, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have Mary saying, are you sure you're good enough? And if you answer no, then you're right. And if you answer yes, then you're right. So here's what's happening. You're thinking chicken or the egg. You're saying, I'm going to go be vulnerable tomorrow. And here's what's really going on inside of you. Oh my God, this is, I, 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 there's no way I, I, I can't, there's no, uh, and you've already set yourself up for failure. If you literally can embody the self-love and the confidence on day one, you can literally step into everything you want to become. So watch what this looks like. If you're a man or you're a woman, you know, suggesting this to your man. Walk out into the world and just say, this is me. And you know what's cool? Go, I love this version of me. I love this reality. You say that with confidence and you start to embody that. Mm-hmm. Guess what happens to all those people who are going to doubt you? You're going to have some people, the outliers, are going to make stupid comments. But you're going to see the masses around you are going to come to you like magnets and fall in love with who you are. Mm-hmm. I promise this is universal reality. So hear that again. If you've got people out there going, oh, you can, or you're stupid, or you're dumb, and you run back into this mold of bullshit that's not really you, then you're going to live a life of inauthenticity. If you embody the fact that this is who I am and I love it, then the world is going to show up around you and support you. I promise. It's that simple. Yeah. I've got a story for that. I love it. Let's do it. Yeah. Want, me to, want, me, want me to tell my Les Brown story? One, I want I your story. One, let me say okay. one <laughs> No, about what you just said. I love that because even if the person, you know, let's say you decide a guy goes, I'm going to decide to just be me no matter who I am. I'm just going to be me and own it and love myself. And I'm going to go out and say, I love this version of me. I love my reality. Even if your mind starts arguing because the subconscious is not yet trained all the way to believe it, then you can actually still keep repeating it and what happens is your mind begins to believe it as reality because you've trained and programmed your subconscious mind so then after a while few weeks of doing it you're consciously confident and living it it's a practice it's a practice and 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 quite honestly you you just nail nailing it 
90% of all our waking moments are programmed from the subconscious mind. So even if I come in with 10% saying, I'm going to fully embody this reality, 90% mm -hmm. of my brain is going, Scott, you know that like, you've never done this, but just, there's no <laughs> way you can do it. And it's just arguing me. So the reality is, is your point, and we can go on a whole show about this, but what yeah. you want to do is you want to train the mind in theta. So right before bed and right in the morning, and you want to reprogram that subconscious mind with the right verbiage. So I am enough. I can, I am authentic. I am transparent. I am who I am. I love who I am. Those words need to be rammed in your head in that theta space, that subconscious programming. And if you do that, essentially, again, multiple tools, same result, but it's an uphill battle if you only do it in the conscious mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it. Chris, do you remember what you were going to say now? He's got a yeah, yeah. I mean, to the, to, to the, no, to the point, and that's a great point, Scott, to the point of like thinking about flying your freak flag. Um, do we all know who Les Brown is? Yes. Yes. Les Brown, the amazing Les Brown. When I was homeless living on the streets, I had a couple of people give me cassette tapes and they weren't bands that I wanted to hear. Uh, one was Tony Robbins. Another one was Les Brown. I remember listening to Les Brown's motivational tapes and being just so inspired him both and Tony Robbins. And back in the day, I was a suit and tie speaker. You can actually check it out on my YouTube page. Wearing the suit and tie, saying everything. I've got the little hand like this, making people laugh, just, but just being incongruent, just being not truly myself. And I joined a mastermind and I got around a bunch of people and I'm like, I'm not the suit and tie guy. I'm the kick-ass guy. I'm the, I'm the guy that just wants to come outside and just rock the world and rock the stage and just be who I am. And some people were like, no, 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 that's a recipe for disaster. Speakers don't swear, da, 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 da. But a few people said, you know what? Everybody else looks the same and sounds the same. Why not be unique? Why not be you? And I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. If I'm going to suck at something, my friend JB Glossinger said it. I said, if I'm going to suck at something, I'm going to suck at it being me. And so that's when I changed the branding and became the kick-ass guy. And I was like, this is just who I am. So I'm just going to go out there and rock it. And I went and saw Les Brown at an event and I paid for a speaker's uh, training program. And I get there and I'm in my, my outfit. It was a little bit like this, you know, that bandana and everything. And we, the first thing we do is we get on stage and he wants to hear us speak for 20 minutes to see where we start off from. It's a three-day training camp. And so I get up there, everybody does 15, 20 minutes. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to figure it out. I get up there and I'm talking about how I mentor kids and I've got the kick-ass radio show and how my story and everything. And I'm just being who I am. I'm not being all polished. I'm not trying to impress him. I'm just talking to him. I'm just telling him a story. He spends 45 minutes on me. We're talking back and forth. He's like, do you swear in front of the kids you mentor? I'm like, yes, Les. He goes, oh, I don't believe in that. I'm like, Les, I'm going to talk to them the way they talk to each other. I don't want to put on airs like, oh, you could be all successful like me and not swear, you know, bullshit. Whatever. <laughs> and so everybody was like, my buddy Martin was there. He's a, he's a, he came in 10th in the world championship of public speaking. He's super, super awesome. We were at dinner with Les Brown in the Sheridan Gateway Hotel. And he's like, Chris, he's like, he's like, he's like, Chris, he goes, you know, put the suit on, put the suit on. Let's come, you know, da, da, da. And I was like, no, no. And I ultimately said, I said, who's everybody at the table talking about? And he looks at me, he goes, you're brilliant. I said, everybody's talking about me. Everybody's going to go back to their, their, their houses and go, oh my God, there was a guy that showed up in a bandana and he was swearing and he's a, well, who's this guy? Who is this guy? On day three, no shit. I have pictures to prove it. On day three, Les comes into the, uh, to the, to the training room. And part of the, the speaking package is that he interviews you on camera in his suite. And so I was like, he's coming down to get the people and he walks in, he goes, what's up, Mr. Kickass? And I go, what's up, Les, man? How are you doing? He goes, I'm good. He goes, do you have one of those kerchiefs for me? Meaning a bandana. And I, uh, yeah. whenever I go to events, I wear, I have bandanas in my back pockets. I'll show people how to fold them and I'll declare them kick-ass unstoppable. And so I go to hand him the, the bandana. I'm like, which one do you want, Les? He goes, oh, I'll take the blue one. And I go to hand it to him. He goes, no, 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 put it on me. Put it on me. And I was like, and everybody, everybody was in the room. Everybody, uh, was, all the, all the other, and everybody, and my friend, Martin, I looked over at him. He's like, and so I help him <laughs> fold it. We put the bandana on. We take a bunch of pictures. We take some gang pictures or whatever. And he's just laughing. 
He takes me out into the lobby of the Sheridan Gateway Hotel right after that and says, Chris, I could put you on stages. He goes, you're an amazing speaker. You're incredible. You're powerful, but I can't do this. And he looks me up and down. And he says, I can't do, I can't do the kick-ass thing. And he goes, I don't wear a suit and tie. I wear, I wear uh, sweats all the time. And he even told me back at that time, it's public knowledge. Now he told me that he colored his hair with mascara. He goes, I, he goes the, my hair can't handle the hair dye. He goes, but I do that because I'm successful and I'm out here making all this money and everything. And I'm like, Les, I appreciate that. And I couldn't believe that I said it when I said it, but I'm like, I have to be me. I have to be me. And from that point forward, I never regretted that decision. I could have been financially successful, been so popular and so, oh, look at this. You know, I'm a, a, former, yeah. a homeless kid and this guy put me on stages, but I oh, didn't. And I, ne- and I never regretted it for a single yeah. second. So it's well, about and it was meant to be because now you have that story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, some days I kind of think, was that a stupid move? You know, but no, I mean, you just got to be who you are. And when you're happy, you know, you have that inner vibration. You don't have to have all that anger and that fear and that animosity. You just have love and you just, you, you see solutions, you see opportunities, you see abundance. You don't see scarcity. Totally. Yeah. That's a great story. Thank you. Thought it might help somebody. I like it. It's <laughs> the first well, time I've ever heard it. Why have you never told me that? You didn't hear that before? No. Chris, you told me I've heard it a million times. Oh, I, was say, what the I know all your stories. I know like, your tattoos. What? We've heard each other. We're so sick of listening to each other talk in a good way. Not Did I tell you about the Hugh Hefner story in the pool? I have not heard that, but I can definitely <laughs> I tell you. Like, I can tell you Les Brown story pool, quite easily. Playboy <laughs> oh. I used to go to the Playboy Mansion and I got thrown in the pool by... um. Ah, what's his name? A famous Laker. I can't think of his name right now. And he's like, he's a white, tall, white guy. That's a coach. Um, I don't follow sports. That's another story. I don't follow sports. That's another story. Is it Luke but, Walton? Yes, it was him. Because he's a coach now with a. Uh, yeah. Where's he coach him. now? Yeah, years ago. So anyway, you just made me think of that. So, so I have a question for anyway, you and Eden. I have a question for you and Eden. Yeah, so what's okay. your perspective on the questions you've been asking us? How can me and Scott learn from where, from a female's perspective Absolutely. on this egotistic? Oh no, you're turning or, it around yeah. on us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we well, need well, all well, parts of this. Right. Well, we're, we're, all, we're all in this game together. This is a conversation. Have, yeah, I would say, I would say you guys are great, awesomely great examples to other men out there. And I think that's what you, you did mention it earlier, but I think that the conversations about it like this, getting it out there, who knows who's going to listen and who knows who will pass on to who. And we could help one person. We might help 5,000 people. We don't know, but just living it and walking the talk and, and loving yourself and shifting your energy. People don't realize that just doing that you're shifted. You bring a different vibration to situations. And then all of a sudden, you might be in a group of guys and a guy goes, damn, like, what is he doing? Like, how does he get like that? He might ask you, it might be in his thoughts for the next two weeks. And all of a sudden he picks up a book. I mean, so it's just, I think it's so important to do the work. I think that's the biggest message and you guys are doing it, but it never ends. Yeah. The work never no. ends. It's not like no. we said, you know, I mean, someday when we're on the other side, it'll be a different kind of work, you know, but the key is enjoying it, enjoying the process while you're doing the work and going, all right, I'm, I'm actually showing my courage and bravery by sitting with these emotions and figuring them out and feeling them. You know, that's bravery and courage to most women, you know, women who have done the work, see that in men who do the work, and then you get aligned with wonderful people. Like we're all aligned together, you know? Yeah. And it's about getting to know yourself too, through the pain and, um, I think it's so important also because I think a lot of men aren't willing to do the work. 
So I, I, I just shout out to you guys yeah. for, for being vulnerable and on a platform where you're sharing now, not just, you know, one-on-one with other people or with groups. Uh, this is, it's, it's just really um, inspiring me and I hope it inspires other men. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And it thank makes me so think back, like anyone listening, if you go back to some of our past episodes, Purvis Taylor's episode and the episodes that are Kiko Ellsworth, they talk a lot about men's perspectives as well. So if you want to go further into learning about this stuff, then go back to those episodes as well. And there's but, no shame, no shame right, in this, right. in men doing the work. Yes. But had Scott to say it. and Christopher, you guys are awesome. We love you. And we want to bring you back on again sometime. And thank you so much for being here and tell us where we can find you. Go for it, Scott. You go first. You can find us at, or one of the organizations, um, again, I belong to is www.golovenow.com and it's go love now. You can also find Chris and I together at the unfiltered experience. And that links you to our podcast. Uh, it's also a video cast. We air that live on Friday nights at 5 PM uh, Pacific standard time. And then Eastern times eight and seven central. And you can find us at the it's www.theunfilteredexperience.com and has all the links to all our shows. And Chris, what about your other amazing shows and coaching? Oh, and also scottgoyette.com for coaching. Awesome. Don't forget that. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's the other thing I do. (laughs) Yeah. It's the other thing you do. Um, You can find me at ChristopherRausch.com, R-A-U-S-C-H, or you can go to noexcusescoach.com. And I do the Raw and Unscripted show, which is every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's all about Raw and Unscripted conversations just designed to move you forward and change your perspective about life. It's real talk, just like we do on the Unfiltered Experience. And then yeah, coaching, speaking, got my book coming up and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, just want to impact the world. That's mm. awesome. Thank well, you, thank Kim. This guys has been so, so amazing. Much. And this has been wonderful. Scott, thank you. Yeah. And thank you thank everyone you. for listening. And just a reminder for Volunteer Network OC, we'll be there at the golf tournament with Craig Shoemaker uh, in July. Click the red banner on their website to attend. Thanks, we'll, everyone. We'll nice. do a next show live at the golf tournament. Chris and I are in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that <would be> cool. <laughs> Bye, guys. Hi, I'm here with the director of Volunteer Network OC, Maria Galasso. Yes, we brought her back because we love them and we're getting more and more involved with the awesome work they do and we'll be at their upcoming event. So, Maria, happy to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. Thanks so much for your support. Um, I just want to let everyone know that Volunteer Network OC brings volunteers together with nonprofit organizations in Orange County, helping individuals and families in extreme poverty or experiencing homelessness. We have a free app available at Google Play or the App Store, and all you have to do is download the app, register, search events, and with one click, you're signed up and ready to volunteer. Yeah, and it's so easy if you want to just do an hour a month or want to do up to like 30 hours a month, the app makes it really easy to go and do that. And then what about the upcoming golf tournament, which stars the celebrity guest Craig Shoemaker, who was on our show, and we, our podcast, will be there as well. Oh, we're so happy you're going to be joining us that day. So on July 27th, we'll be hosting our first annual golf challenge, Par for the Cause, at Strawberry Farms in Irvine. And we're so excited to be partnering with another great nonprofit organization, the Power of One Foundation. And if you don't golf, no problem. As you mentioned, we're going to be hosting an incredible community outreach event 
which includes lunch and the amazing comedian Craig Shoemaker. Awesome. And then raffle and silent auction too, right? Oh, yes. We'll be having an online auction and also some raffle items and these really special items. It's just going to be a really amazing day. Awesome. Well, I'm excited and I know you are. And thanks for being here. And don't forget everyone to download the Volunteer Network app. Thank you for listening to Talk Purpose and Truth Podcast. Find out more at talkpurposeandtruth.com. And follow us at Talk Purpose Truth on Instagram and Facebook.